Greetings, hello, salutations, and thank you for tuning in to the Josh Belcher Uncharted Podcast. Believe it or not, I'm your host. Josh Belcher is my name. I'd like to wish you a happy Easter week, quarantine week, Easter Sunday weekend, uh, whatever names we can call it. I hope you're happy, healthy, and safe and doing the best you can with what you're working with. Whatever your festivities, I hope they're fun and exciting. I hope what family you have near you make the most of it. And I pray for your health and the health and well-being of everybody in the United States that I love so much and the world as well as we battle through this pandemic. Hopefully it'll be over sooner than later and we can all get back to normalcy as much normal as we can possibly conduct uh, what is normal anyway. But anywho, really stoked for this week's guest. We have stand-up comedian Lavelle Crawford. What an awesome interview. Really exciting to talk to. Very nice human being. They say not to meet your heroes, but in this case, this funny man was very accommodating to me and the church comedian, Brandon Skelton. It was a blast to speak with him. Also really excited. I just got, uh, well, actually, I just discovered curling, like actually watched it sit down and paid attention. Looks really groovy. And nonetheless, the captain of the USA women's team, Jamie Sinclair, number 21, was kind enough to talk to me. She's very sweet, very patient, uh, answering my questions as I'm getting an introductory into curling. Hopefully one day we can get them to come to Nashville and see it live and uncut. They play on ice. We've already got the Bridgestone Arena where the Predators do their thing. It would be perfect to uh, go check out. At least I think so, and I think all of you would agree if you watch it. It looks pretty, pretty neat uh, what they do and what they conduct when it comes to curling. Anyway, she answers some of my questions. She also has a YouTube that we mentioned in the interview if you want to go check that out and see and learn more about curling. Uh, without further ado, we'll get this party started. And like I said, thank you from the bottom of my heart for listening. I really enjoy it, and I uh, really uh, have a fun time interviewing all the guests that come my way. All right, let's get it on. Josh Belcher, Uncharted Podcast. Happy, thanks- uh, happy Thanksgiving. Happy Easter, everybody. Happy to announce on this week's podcast, funny man, comedian extraordinaire, Lavelle Crawford. Now, you might remember him from The Last Comic Standing, BET's Comic View, Shaq's All-Star Comedy Jam. He's also made several appearances on television and movies. You may recognize him as Huel Babineau in Breaking Bad and its spinoff, Better Call Saul. He also played the role of Gus Patch in the Netflix Adam Sandler original movie, The Ridiculous Six. Not to mention, he has lost over 100 pounds in recent years. Uh, Looking good, feeling good, still bringing the funny. Church comedian Brandon Skelton served as my guest co-host as we interviewed him. It was a really awesome time, and I hope you enjoy it. That's coming up next. Got Lavelle Crawford on the phone with us. Uh, We're staying safe and quarantined and not spreading any germs on this podcast. Uh, Thank you to take time out of your busy uh, schedule. Uh, to talk to me and Brandon here on the Uncharted Podcast out of Nashville. You having a good day so far? Oh, man, I'm blessed. That's all I can say. I mean, blessed in in an awkward situation, so I'm still blessed. Absolutely, and that's that's one thing I want to tell you, that your positive twist on a coronavirus lockdown uh, is keeping us laughing every day on Instagram and social media, and that's really what we need right now is, uh, is, is funny human beings like yourself keeping us 
going because it's just like you can only uh, stare at the wall at the house so much. And I've been trying to find where to hide Easter eggs in the house this year, if you know what I mean. <laughs> yeah, no, we. I think we did that one year before we hit them around the house. And my son found a snake egg. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so, um, with this, you know, this uh, weight loss you had, uh, which is incredible. Congratulations! You seem to be handling that well. Are you keeping away from the refrigerator during this this uh, lockdown quarantine? No, I've been walking past it. It ain't saying nothing to me, you know. I mean, me and the Phillips. <laughs> Me and the fridge fell out a long time ago when I lost the weight. It got mad because we spent more time together. But now, you know, my <laughs> wife, them, they didn't got so, we got, you can walk in our house, it's like a whole food, whole food grocery store. It's all celery and apples. Ain't nothing in there you really want to see unless you want to eat right. So. <laughs> oh, I hear hey, that's, that's great. So you have to worry about any, any cookies or any, uh, real, you know, bread, sweets or anything like that in there, huh? No, I got to hide them in the car. <laughs> I heard that. So, um, the last time I talked to you, like I said, uh, you you were in Nashville, which I know you come here quite a bit. Uh, what what's your schedule? Have you have you been having to reschedule a lot of your gigs, or, or what are you what are you doing right now as far as uh, getting ready back on the road? Oh, man, I I was on the road when this quarantine started. I was I had I had I had recent eye surgery on my eyes because I had a blood vessel buzz in the back of my retina and I didn't even know how it happened but my vision started getting impaired so I couldn't drive went to the Pearl Vision Center and the, the doctor online her name she was selling glasses and uh and uh popcorn she worked at the cheese fa- cheesecake factory as a waitress but she's also a doctor you know just oh, wow. down two jobs two jobs while she gave me a x-ray she found out I had a a bu- a, bu- a bus is like uh vein a capillary in the back of my eye and oh my god uh yeah you know and and then the thing about it was it was coming from you know I had some stressful things I'm sure I, I won't won't bog nobody down with anything but I had, I had some things we was trying to we were working on getting a house hopefully moving for Thanksgiving a lot of and you know when you go on to buy a house man I, it's crazy because there's a lot of things you got to go through to get get things going. But we, everything worked out. Everything was great, and uh, you know, but I was eating wrong too. My blood pressure got off back. I was eating a lot of this. It's so delicious. It's salted, salted caramel popcorn with chocolate. Oh yeah. Oh my god. <laughs> I mean, it's like popcorn, caramel, and chocolate on top of it. It's like <laughs> the devil's food. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And, and I was, I was enjoying it. Plus, I was stressed. When you stress, you eating, eating wrong and. And I, but it wasn't, you know, I wasn't eating a lot of stuff, but I was snacking on that a lot, and and my blood pressure was getting up and down, you know, going through some stuff. So I guess that's what happened, you know. And I went and found out about that, and I found a great doctor through the grace of God that was there. He said I can fix it. I was like perfect. I like a I like a doctor to talk like a mechanic, you know. Like, I got it. <laughs> <laughs> you know? Yeah. He didn't say like, "Well, we can do our best." I, I'll never go to a doctor and say that. But yeah. he, he said, "He said I can fix it." Then he then he turned around and said, "Notice my other eye had a had a split in the cornea." So he said, "Why?" Well, and when it, you know, I had to get this done. But anyway, long story short, I had a, I had a uh, per, had to rent a bus to charter bus charter a bus to go to San Francisco. I'm on a tour with Mike Epps and 
some more Gary Owens, uh, a few other guys, DC Young flying. It's a great tour. We just really got started. Uh-huh. We on the bus. Lo and behold, the fan bell break. We stuck in the middle of uh, 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 Albuquerque, some part of New Mexico, and El Paso. <laughs> Yeah. I mean, the middle, you're talking about no man's land. It was, you know, we was the last stop gas station where they sold Indian silver and, and uh, <laughs> blankets and pipes and stuff. I met the chief. It was crazy, man. But, they were, you know, the guys did the best they can. But at that same time, I guess God was saving me some money because we was, we was 700 miles from Houston, Texas, where I reside. Uh-huh. And we and, uh, and, uh, and, uh, got the call that same night that they had canceled, canceled the dates, they had to reschedule for Sacramento and Fresno. I'm just glad I didn't get up there because I'd have been on the bus still today trying to get home. So, <laughs> yeah. you know, it was it was rough, but, you know, I, it was, you know, we had to reschedule. Everything is being rescheduled. People have been hitting me up, when you're coming here, I said, when the lockdown come, I'll, I'll come anywhere you want to because, you know, being a comedian, man, you know, we got it. We nomadic, man. We got to get out on that road and hit it, man. And we come back to our beautiful wives and our kids, and you know, happy home. But we at home right now, you know. And I just got to be funny online. <laughs> it's hard. Uh, I hear, like I said, um, I've enjoyed you for a long time, and uh, you know, um, when I was telling you, you know, various talking through email, it's uh, I, I look forward to you cheering me up because you know. I'm still one going to work. Uh, I, I'm essential, but I deliver paint. It's not really that exciting, but uh, oh, yeah. <laughs> I look forward to you cheering me up. So uh, I really appreciate you taking the time to do that. We can't wait for you to get uh, back out and about. Oh, yeah, man. You know, it's all good. I watch uh, – what's, what's my man's name? I, I forgot his name real quick. I watched oh, uh, it. I, oh, my co-host, Brandon, the church comedian. Yeah, is Brandon there? Yeah. Yes, sir. I'm right here. Yeah, yeah, man. I enjoyed it, man. It was pretty oh, good. I was, thank you, sir. I was like, I, I was like, wow. I said, he doing. When did you do that? Uh, you that was, that? that was the last show I got to do uh, in person, which was March the seventh. And then since okay. then, I've just been doing online shows. Okay, I was just wondering, like you was talking about it. It was current, so I was like, man, are they. I was gonna commend your church for being open, man, because I mean, it, you know, that, that's a weird thing about. You know, the thing, whole thing about this, I said, they closing up the churches. Like, God don't have no power no more. I was like, man, come on, man. God got all the power now. They open these churches back up, man. Yes, I need to pray. I need to pray in person because my praise online good because I got to clean out my history. You know, I mean, <laughs> you know, and everything, you know, whatever. You know, look up bad stuff on there. So, I mean, you know, you don't know what their pop-ups is on there. So, I want to get God in person. <laughs> You know, I, I saw the other day that actually the, the Catholic Church, the Pope, told the priest that they, you know, can hold off on doing their job and people can just pray directly to God. And I was like, man, even the priests are getting laid off now. <laughs> man, man, that's messed up. <laughs> the priest, I hope God got unemployment, you know. <laughs> it's rough. You thought that job was good forever. You thought your job security was good as long as you give him something. They laying on priests. I'm saying, wow. But yeah, uh, pretty soon, uh, uh, the grape juice and the, and the little crackers are going to be hot commodities like toilet paper. Man, <laughs> man, we doing communion this year. My, my, this Sunday, hopefully, you know, I hope so, man. God can make a miracle. He made it. He fed 5,000, so I'm sure he can. He can get that bread together. He can get that uh, unleavened bread together, I guess. 
He turned the river into wine, going to make it happen. Now. But we locked down. We can't get out to get to it. Yes, yes, Well, I mean, ha- um, one thing I've, I've actually I've done some Facebook live shows and some some Zoom shows. Have you been able to connect with maybe an online audience or what? What kind of comedy things have you been working on with the quarantine? Well, I, I did. A, I, I I've been doing some lives. I had a fellow comic. We did one today. Plus, I, you know, you guys. Uh, hit me to something you didn't even know. Like I told you, I said, y'all, y'all taught me something because I had never heard of this app, Anchor, uh, mm-hmm. before, you know, and then I, I got that set up. I did my first episode with a fellow comic, uh, Dominique, Dominique, uh, Dominique Whitten out of, uh, out of uh, L.A., and she did hers, and we did it simultaneously, so that was cool. But I wrote two books. I wrote a children's book because I love fishing. I don't know if you ever looked at my Instagram. I fish. I love fishing. I wish I, I wish I can get out on the pro bass tour, but they didn't close down the boat ramps to go fishing. I said, Corona, how can, how can you catch Corona on the boat? I'm like, whoa. <laughs> well, so, yeah, uh, I hear you fishing, you know, of course, out here in Tennessee, it's about that weather. You see people, they, they, they bring their boat out, but I don't know what they're doing with them because they won't let them put it in the water right now. Oh, yeah. they Yeah, it's rough, man, unless they do it the old-fashioned style, carry it on the other side and just push it in. Let's roll down a hill in the water. I don't know. <laughs> I was uh, like me and my buddies got a canoe one time, and we couldn't we, we didn't have no boat dock, and we wanted to get in this pond. We took this canoe. And we slid, we slid down a hill right into the water. <laughs> and I mean, we tipped over when we got in the water, but it was a fun ride, man. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, yeah, go ahead. I'm sorry. Well, I, I, uh, you mentioned that about a children's book. I've got a nine-year-old and a five-year-old, and just kind of curious, what what uh, is the book already out there available, or is it something you're working on right now? My son is finishing up the illustrations. Hopefully, I'm looking for a release around June. Uh, it's called Fishing with My Big Daddy. My Big Daddy's my grandpa. He taught me how to fish, and it's just talking about my granddaddy and me. The first day he took me out fishing because it was like a rite of passage, you know. So it's a it's a great book, man. It came off my heart. My wife inspired me, said, you need to write a book, children's book. And her friend wrote one, and I, I just I wrote from my heart, man, and, it, and, it, and he did the illustrations. And it's it's gonna be great, just, and it's just a dedicated to my granddaddy, man, who who always took time out to take me fishing, you know. And I always wanted. We used to watch fishing shows, and I told him I wanted to be a pro bass fisherman. I ain't even wanted. I ain't even want to do comedy at first. That's what I wanted to do, but I didn't have no boat money, so I thought I'd tell some jokes, get some boat money, and maybe I can get out on the tour. But you know, I wrote that one, and then I wrote a comedy uh, comedy school called because I'm pitching a show hopefully with Netflix called Comedy School. It's a comedy school guide to stand up, and but and I'm doing like three volumes. I'm about to set up where hopefully once it's over, I can set up uh, Q and A seminars on Sundays like after I do the comedy clubs, mm-hmm. where comedians can pay for the seminar, come out and pick my brain. You know, thirty years, thirty thirty three years in the game of uh, comedy. You know, I didn't. Even, I didn't even know you was thirty-three years old. Yeah, I, yeah. I wish. I wish I was. Oh my God, I wish I was thirty-three. <laughs> <laughs> I feel thirty-three, but everything else don't feel it like I do. Yeah. I hear you. <laughs> well, um, um, so hey, that just actually blew my mind. You talking about being in comedy now for thirty-three years? Um, mm-hmm. for, and I've. I, First, kind of start following you with you know last comic standing and just kind of can you kind of give us just 
comedy the comedy journey leading up to that and how that kind of changed the game for you as well, being on there and, and doing as well as you did. Yeah, because we hear a lot of uh, uh, 10 years is what it takes, and overnight success is a 10-year period. Is that Was that the case with you as well? Well, I, I think when people say that about stand-up, it, you you really do need a good 10 years. I mean, you know, it's like on Last Comic Standing, you look at it like, uh, I think like the newbie, like even Mitch, the young cat from England, he had been doing it for five years, and Amy Schumer, she did it for four years. And the thing about it is, man, you know, when you rise to fame that fast in four years, and these people, these these producers and everything put you out there, they want you to produce. And, you know, if you ain't ready for it, I mean, you know, you got your 10 years to give you at least a nice, where you weather the storm, go through the, you know, that road gig where you're doing Bobby's Bar and Grill, you're doing it right after a rodeo or a UFC fight, you know, going up at a, going up at a strip club, not with the women, it'd be the men, it's all kind of baby oil. <laughs> them shows so <laughs> and, and, and uh and you know i mean and hopefully getting your money but coming up through those those ranks and being funny and finding your way because there's a lot of comedians nowadays they they get a success from from internet and uh internet you get a lot of good people that watch you on there and they watch you and you do your fame on there but a comedy club is totally different, man, because they, they paid their money. They didn't went through all the struggle of getting ready, and they made an argument on the way there. And if you ain't funny, they'll, get, they'll let you know you ain't funny, and you got to learn how to pull these artists in. So 10 years is very right. I think you should be 15 years. But if you work on it and work on it and, you know, make it a muscle memory where if the crowd tipped this way, you can go this way. If the crowd tipped this way, like I've done gospel shows. I've done Chinese uh family reunions i didn't did <laughs> i i did shows i've been to, i've been to germany i've been I, I did the middle east but when i started out i you know i started in st louis missouri at the funny bone and and i i mean and i wanted to do it so bad and i you know and i got some great times on stage but i thought i had it man you know how you think you making people laugh all the time at the open mic and man i'm ready i'm ready and they put me on the best of st louis and that night I wasn't at my best because <laughs> I, I had them laughing, but I forgot a joke and it seemed thought I could come back and pull through it. And the crowd was looking like, you forgot your joke. You better, tell <laughs> oh, you better get something going. And I couldn't pull it out. It was like I was about to, it was like your pilot on the plane and it's smoking. I couldn't bail out. I had, <laughs> I had to crash the plane, man. It was a crash landing and I, you know, and, and it, and it hit me, man, like, oh, my God, I mean, wow, this is this is rough, you know. But I kept going, and then what I started doing was, you know, going to going to the comedy clubs, but then I'd go to any place that had a mic. I would go to places where it's like gas bars, you know, bar and grills. I remember one time I went to a country western bar where they still had the chicken wire up. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God, I mean, and I was – they liked me, but they the guy – they came behind me. They didn't like, and he wound up hitting hitting some guy with his guitar, and, and we had to run for our lives out the back door. And I had a crappy uh, Ford Maverick, and it, it shot more smoke than it rolled. And and I thought they was going they was gonna catch me, but I, I'm driving, and thank God my car pulled out a smoke screen where they disappeared. 
and I was able to get away. <laughs> I was able to get away, man. It, it was a blessing, man, because I thought they was going to wring my neck out there, but they they weren't even mad at me. They was mad at him for hitting the guy with a guitar, of course. Yeah. You know, but, I mean, them, them road times, man, you know, helped me get to the point where I audition. I did, like, BET Comic View, and then it just gave me my chops for everything else. And when Last Comic Standing came along, I, it was like a godsend when I got to do it. I seen Ralphie May and I seen the the ones with Alonzo Bolden on it, and I seen all all the ones before that. And I was just like, man, I would like to do this, but I know it's gonna be politics. But that's when you go in to think I had to go in with the mind I was gonna win it. And mm-hmm. even if you know how God tell you, you know sometimes you're gonna win, but you don't know what you're gonna win. Your prize night might not be that two hundred fifty dollars, thousand dollars. Your yep. prize would be that exposure, and that's what I realized. People say, oh, man, you should have won. I said, I would have won. I might have been satisfied because I would have got a quarter of a million dollars. I would have yeah. been satisfied. Even though it was, I, the tax would have ate it up, I would have been satisfied. Man, I got money, man. I'm walking yeah. around with money. I was single <laughs> then, and I was <laughs> with my mom, 250 grand. Boy, I've been, I've been balling for a while. Yeah. But, you know, but God knows how to get you ready for the, the the bigger blessings. So, you know, so what happened was, you know, when I was on there, man, I it was great because all my experience, because when I was on there, I was like 20-something in the game at that time. So, you know, even though I, the America didn't know me, know me, but, you know, urban America knew me, uh, knew me for my fame. So when I got on Last Comic Standing, I, you know, I worked mainstream clubs. I worked Urban clubs, I worked everywhere, so it wasn't like nothing new to me. And when they came with the improv, I was ready for everything. I was ready. I was pumped. It was something I wanted to do. It was my time to shine and get on this TV and time to shine. So what it did was just open up so many doors and gave me so many fans that, you know, that I, you know, like you know, senior citizen, old old white ladies who I love you and bringing you rum cake and you know and. <laughs> And you know, give give me you know, giving up want me to sign pictures and stuff, and you know, from little bitty kids that just saw me, you know, all those fans to, you know, just another audience that was amazing that that keeps coming out today, you know, and it just it it broadened my horizon and and it, and it just gave a uh, it, it just gave a uh, confirmation to my my. Uh, you know my my endeavors, so you know, so I I was you know it was it was a great time, and I wouldn't change none of it for nothing, man. Because it, last time I was saying it really opened doors for like Breaking Bad and and things like that. You know where I'm, you know Better Call Saul, which you know was, you know people people look at, well, and they don't give you a lot of lines, but the lines I got and the and the, the the camera time I got, every camera time you get is like a opportunity, and if you shine. No matter what you're doing, if you you looking like Big Hugh, or you you know, because you can be Shakespearean all day long, but if you can't deliver the line or deliver the expression that people want you to, when I laid on that money, I laid on that money like I ain't never wanted to get up, you know. So, <laughs> so, 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 so that energy that you put into stuff is just like the opportunities of TV and stuff. You want to be ready. And that's that's where my experience, my road to you know to success, man, was always had my mind. When they give it to you, like you know, when you were a kid, you're like I want a video game, I want a video game, you want a video game. <laughs> then you get the video game. I don't like it. it's dumb because you get too much. 
But yeah. when you don't get it that much, and, and then, like I had, you know, before, I, when I, I had to buy my own video game, my son got every video game known under man. But I had to <laughs> I, I, I had to buy mine, and once I, I played them until the thing started scratching. You know, I played it. <laughs> I played it all day. You know, but you know, when you get those opportunities, anything that you get, you 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 enjoy it. Like me and my wife joke. Like my wife, she, we go to the store and she gets something new, like some new shoes. She wear them out the store because where we come from, in our lives, you know, when you get something, you wanted it and you you wear it that day. You yeah. Know? You yeah. put your new shoes on. I'm walking out, need new shoes. My dirty shoes in the box. You know. Yeah. And that's how how you look at your career. That's how anybody I can tell when you get on TV and stuff like I was with, I think I did a Shaq All-Star. And um, the first time I did it, the second time I host, the first time I did it, I I was on there. And if you watch that, you know, the show is so funny that that the comedians, uh, the comedians on there, they switched us. I went up, I went up second in the, in the thing, but they put me last. Because when I got out there, and it was crazy at a time when Michael Jackson his dad just died, and and we had just heard the news. And when I was a kid, I loved Michael Jackson. I had a beater jacket. I was, I was a little fat kid with a beater jacket on. It didn't even zip up, but I had all the other zippers zipped up. I loved that jacket because you could put snacks in every zipper, you know. And I, and I, and I had, I, and I loved Michael Jackson at that time when he moonwalking all that stuff. So when he died, it was kind of like, man, but they got to meet Shaq. I'm with Shaq, you know, and I'm joking with Shaq, talking about him behind stage. And we, and it was just, it was just another level of opportunity. And I got out there and one of the, it was a female comic named Melly Camacho. She was nervous. Like, I don't know what I want to talk about. And I, and I said, uh, <laughs> and I said, uh, and I said, uh, I said, girl, you better find out what you're gonna talk about. This is TV. This is this is opportunity. Yeah. You know, you don't never sit up here and wait till you get here to figure out what you want to do. That's <laughs> like <laughs> that's like getting in the middle of the ocean and saying, well, I don't know if I want to swim. Too late. Ain't no boat out here. You better get. To swim. <laughs> yeah. I, uh, oh man. I, yeah. Yeah. Uh, you guys talking? I had that. You you brought up uh, one thing I wanted to ask you. I remember that scene because uh, Breaking Bad was my jam, uh, and I like you know you and, and, and Bill Burrow's parts. But was that real money when you laid down on it and he was telling you to get up? Well, I'm sure acted like it was, and I'll tell you what. If, <laughs> <laughs> hey, hey, if that was real money, trust me, I wouldn't know nothing about this shutdown. I wouldn't know nothing about this coronavirus because I'd be on my own island in my <laughs> own city. Yeah, and my, and my city wouldn't be locked down. <laughs> yeah, because right, yeah, you wanted to lay. Yeah, when you wanted to lay down on, I was like, man, that's a lot of money. I wonder what that feels like to lay on that much money. Uh, oh man, it felt like laying on a lot of money. I'm telling you right now. <laughs> and then uh, <laughs> you brought up you brought up shoes and like uh, you know I, I I know the feeling because every every year for summertime I get some new flip flops. Okay. And I'll I'll put the old ones in the box, but I'll go up to the cashier and say, excuse me, ma'am or sir, I'll say, this was my size and somebody's old shoes are already in here. (laughs) (laughs) You you see their face before I tell them I'm just kidding. Oh, yeah, they be looking like, like, what? And they probably going back in the back. Where's Jeff at? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, but uh, I I know about it. You get them new shoes, you pay good money for them. Yeah, you want to go out of the store with them all and get that new shoe smell. 
Well, it is, you know, it's just an opportunity because you, when you're blessed to be able to get something new, you know. It's just like, you know, being in this entertainment field, it opens up so many doors. Like, I mean, being in movies with Adam Santa, who is one of my uh, comic heroes because of what he did with his movie opportunities. He brought all his buddies in it, and, he, you know, he fed his friends, man. And I, that's my goal is to do that, is make a bunch of movies to put my friends in that work with me so they can have the same opportunity. He's a cool guy. That I did two movies with him. I did, I did Ridiculous Six, and then I turned around, now I did this Hubie Halloween with him, you know, and I hope he called me for about 20 more. I appreciate yeah. it. And, uh, you know, and I got to work with the, the late, great Robin Williams on uh, yeah. Crazy Ones. And, you know, I've been. I, it's just been some great opportunities. I was on New Girls. I was on... Rebel Wilson from Pittsburgh and her sitcom, Super Fun Night. Got to be on Always Sunny in Philadelphia with Danny DeVito. Yeah. With Christian Stewart and Jesse Eisenberg and, you know, uh, American Ultra. It's just been a, it's been a great, blessed run, man, you know. And it's comedy then just laid, you know, between God and his, God and his blessed me into this world of comedy. It just laid the, the groundwork for so many opportunities, and one thing about people is like, as like, did the coronavirus kill comedy? I said, I don't think so, because people are gonna be wanting to get out laughing, even if they gotta stay six feet away from each other. They gonna come to that club, they gonna come somewhere. We might have to do it outside, and everybody better wear hazmat suits. But they gonna come and <laughs> laugh, man, because it's it's just it's just you know, I mean, like I love church and I love making people laugh, and I was just so happy that our pastor was able to do it get a mandate from the government so he can open up so he can go pray because it was, it was so fulfilling because, I mean, you can be home and everything, but when they tell you you can't go nowhere, you, it's almost like uh, locking a wolf up. A wolf, yeah. You know, and wolfing, you see wolves in the zoo, they are not happy. They walk around <laughs> that man, I ain't going to get to eat nothing. I got to wait for you to bring my food. Yeah. It's crazy. Yeah, I so, know. We, uh, we've been watching Tiger King, so uh, I, I know that's why I feel like right now. I've been with the Tigers locked up. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. That guy's crazy. I only watched a couple of episodes so far. I was yeah. like, this guy wrote, had a whole album. He did a video. I was like, this dude's something else. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's his own uh, comedy show. Well, yeah, you. I saw that on your Instagram. You got to go into a church uh, not too long ago. Is that what you were talking about? What, what was that like? Because that, to me, that seems so foreign now. Well, yeah, it's foreign for a minute because, you know, yeah, we got to go last Sunday. I passed at Glorious Way Church. I mean, it was great. I mean, we got there. They had police there. It was legit. It wasn't like we were sneaking and doing anything. They had the news people out there and everything. And, uh, but it was nice. We had this, we, They gave us six feet. You know, we couldn't sit by nobody. The pastor couldn't lay hands on us or nothing. But we had hand sanitizer. And we prayed, and we and we said amen, hallelujah, and, you know, and just prayed a lot of this, you know, stuff away so that people can get back to their lives, you know? Yeah, yeah. So it was great. It was great, man. It was great. Yeah, I hear, uh, Brandon here, he calls himself the church comedian because he's a pastor as well as a comedian. And uh, we're actually talking to you in his church right now, so it's, it's just a great feeling of uh, security and peace when you're in, you know, a building like this and times like this. Oh man, it's it's all right on time, and you know I I heard you said he was a pastor. That was kind of funny, you know, talking about your kids and everything, you know. So he said, "Dad, you they say you can't run, you can't hide." He said, well, "Dad, you can't run." I was like, "I was like, it's cold blooded." You know the the funny thing was that after that show, uh, my son was was listening to it, my daughter was listening to it, and. 
And my daughter's like, Dad, your jokes are so funny. And my son told me, he said, you got to stop telling my business. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, kid, something else. That's like my son. Daddy, don't put me in your jokes. He thinks he's a comedian. He's yeah. been trying to crack jokes all day, too. So, yeah, kids, something else, man. They're so funny. And that's a blessing right now. You know, I get to be home with my wife and my kids. I didn't, I didn't, I didn't cook for my family so many days. They, they've been eating. They, they might gain weight because I've been hooking they up with all this food, man. You know, and I get bored. I just get and turn on my, uh, my chef, my chef's hat and get to cooking, man. You know, I cook all kind of stuff. So it's been, it's been a, it's been good, man. Because a lot of times when you out there on the road, you do get lonely, and you miss your family. And but it's great that you're a pastor too, though, man. So. That's the church you you yeah in. That's the church you uh, preach in right there. Oh no, sir. That was that was the church out of Memphis, uh, Tennessee. That I was just uh, opening for a friend who was from that church. Oh okay okay cool. I've done yeah. it. Uh, Brandon's on his way. Uh, Brandon's gonna be nationwide for too long. He's uh, he's going all over the place uh, when we're allowed to to go out and about. That is. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah, man. You know, Brandon, you keep doing your thing. You're gonna be there's a lot of churches around, man. You know, I did a lot. I've done a lot of churches, believe it or not. I, you know, I, I'm a little bluer than you, <laughs> but I, you know, when I, when I can cut it off, you know, and I, and mm-hmm. I already, already, already proclaimed, man, that I think I'm, you know, like when I turned about 65, Lord, Lord willing, I was gonna turn it over to God for real and wholeheartedly and be a be an evangelist and not a, a preacher, you know, get on and out there and just start giving the word. Because I think pastors need to go, you know, ain't nothing wrong with making people laugh, and, and but also to tell the people the truth. People need guidance. Because when I put posted that on a picture on, on Instagram, I had so many people, you need to stay in the house. God is in your house. I say, yeah, God is in my house, but the devil's looking in the window, you know. And I <laughs> Hey, uh, one thing one thing Brandon does in his set is if he finds somebody in the audience not laughing, he'll go dunk them. He'll baptize them right there on the spot. <laughs> All right. Hey, give him the Holy Ghost because you know that might be the devil because they ain't smiling. You know it. You, you, you in church and ain't laughing. What's wrong with you, boy? You need to be laughing. <laughs> Just go get a little salad bowl dunk them right down in it. Oh, man. Ain't <laughs> hey, nothing wrong with that. Very excited to have spoken to our next guest on the podcast, Jamie Sinclair, number 21, the captain of the USA Women's Curling Team. She was kind and patient with me as I asked her questions, being a new fan of the art of curling. Uh, Not to mention that, she is the captain of her own team, Team J. Sinclair. You can look them up online. She's also a YouTuber uh, at Curl Up With Jamie on YouTube, where she explains uh, the art of curling and the questions you may have and talks about uh, things, all things curling. So she's uh, doing her best, and she's representing USA to the fullest when it comes to curling. Uh, She's also a renovator. She purchased a chapel and she is renovating it piece by piece and she's doing a blog and talking about it along with a whole bunch of other stuff on her website jamiesinclair21.com. Now you can look her up on all the other socials as well Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Very kind. Really look forward to talk to her and hopefully one day we'll get a curling event in Nashville and check it out up close and personal. That interview is up next. Enjoy. Jamie Sinclair, the captain of our USA uh, curling team. Thank you for taking the time to call me. I saw uh, the phone call. You're you're in Canada right now. I am. Yes. 
Yeah. That is awesome. That's <laughs> very cool. Yeah. Um, which is I, I learned, you know, looking up some of your stuff. Which you have amazing content online with your uh, your chapel, which is we'll we'll get into that and everything. And and then um, <laughs> dual citizenship, which is awesome. We're glad to have you. We're proud of you. So. Um, <laughs> Thank you. Um, like I said, I was telling you a little bit earlier before the world went haywire and we were all cooped up. Um, saw curling on the television and just uh, got invested. A southern boy here in Nashville. I was like, this just looks too cool. Not to uh, you know learn more about, and then lo and behold, I've got you here with me, uh, number twenty-one herself. Thank you so much. Oh, it's my pleasure to be yeah, here. And, and then let's, let's let's go ahead and get started. Okay, you're the skip. Now I, mm-hmm. I've I've looked into it a little bit, kind of got an idea of it. But could you describe it to someone from the south that doesn't know mm-hmm. anything about curling? Can we talk about a little bit of what your involvement is with your team that you are the leader of? Right. So the skip position, it's similar to, let's say, a captain or like a quarterback. Um, You basically, my main job is the strategy. So I'm standing in the house and I'm looking out all these rocks and I'm trying to decide what plays um, we're going to do and how we're going to approach the end and how we're going to score some points or how we're going to prevent the other team from scoring points. So pretty much just a lot of strategy. Um, And also I'm the person that's kind of always yelling uh, at my sweepers to sweep. If you've seen curling, <laughs> yeah. you know that uh, there's one person yelling and they have people sweeping. So that's also my job. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> to yeah. just encourage my sweepers to sweep as hard as they can. It's awesome. And then the athleticism, because you have to do like that kind of little stretch routine to get the uh, the big stone out there. Now, does it have a technological term or is it just big stone or what? what is it called? <laughs> Uh, we we call it a rock, but you could also call it a stone. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. 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 It's actually the sports are a lot more um, physically demanding than you would think, and the the physical aspect has has become more important um, in recent years, which is really cool to see. But mostly for the sweepers, they're the ones that that are doing basically a lot of intervals, um, and they need to to build that upper body strength to. Sweet. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and and then yeah, yeah, because like I said, your arms have to be on point, your shoulders and everything. It's, it's kind of like the mm-hmm. same equivalent to me, like someone that like rows, like an Olympic rower, because you're constantly. Because yeah. like, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but the the sweeping, it's their job to get the the. You said rock, right? I'm not sure I say it yeah. right. <laughs> to get the rock as far to the center to get as close to where you could get a point. So by fanning it, does it kind of is it slow it down or speed or or, or what exactly? Because I know I see because it's like you're trying to get it to a certain spot, like like bowling, yeah. except you're kind of guiding it, right? Right, right. You're so you're trying to manipulate the rock as much as you can. There's sure. two things that you can do by sweeping. You can one keep it straighter. I mean, mm-hmm. the the sport's called curling because the rocks curl. So yes. by sweeping, you can try to keep it straighter, and then you can try to um, keep the rock keep its momentum uh, as long as you can. So you can't speed up a rock and you can't really slow it down, but you can um, stop it from <laughs> like decelerating basically yes. trying to keep that momentum going. Yeah. It just, it, it's really groovy. Like I said, um, being, being from the South, you know, where we used to our baseballs and our footballs and everything and mm-hmm. uh, basketball, but, but seeing that, you know, and being a late fan of hockey, cause it's kind of like, there's some ice involved and everything. You get that same kind of groove, but it just looks like it, it could be a barrel of fun, even for like an amateur or someone as myself didn't really know what was going oh, on. Oh, for sure. Um, I think that's one of the great things about curling too, is that like literally anybody can do it at any age. Um, like I started <laughs> when I was eight years old 
and my grandparents did it until, you know, they're 70. Um, so it's really, everyone can do it and it's just an absolute blast. Yeah. And, and you sound still so passionate about it. How did you get a love for it? How did you, he says eight years old, but so you were influenced yeah. by your grandparents to get started. It was, yeah, it was, it was mostly my grandfather. Um, and then my dad was really competitive as well. So uh-huh. Honestly, every Sunday, <laughs> my whole family would just go to the curling club, and that's what we did. Um, we had a lesson, and then we would just play, and then we got some nice warm hot chocolate and marshmallows after. Uh-huh. When I was eight years old, that was definitely the best part. <laughs> that's awesome, yeah. That's, it's, it's really yeah, cool. Like I said, I, I think it would be something people here would enjoy, which is Nashville every year it just keeps growing because you can go you can go to Nashville or anywhere in Middle Tennessee and mm-hmm. it's rare to find a native like I'm one and I'm like one of like ten that are left everybody else is from you know <laughs> California or here or there you know with connections to something right. but I think there's enough people here maybe you know they'll get a league starter or at least you know like a little amateur thing where everybody can get involved because I I'm, I'm down for it I, I'd love to try it out. Um, For sure. A lot of places uh, just start off on hockey ice. They just kind of convert the hockey ice to uh, a sheet of curling, you know, once the yeah. hockey's done on, on an evening and start that way. Yeah, speaking of that, I noticed, like, you know, I, I, was, I was watching videos, which is your YouTube is fantastic for this, and, and the name is great, uh, Curling Up With Jamie. I uh, wanted to plug <laughs> that. Uh, you do a great job. Trying to do a little pun. <laughs> yeah, I loved it, but it's, it's not someone like me that's, that's, that's interesting and learning, but... Um, I looked at the shoes because I was thinking, you know, ice ice skates, but, like, is this a whole right. special brand of shoe to get, or what's the story behind that? Yeah, so even though it's played on ice, it's not like we use uh, hockey skates or anything. Um, you do have special shoes. They pretty much look like running shoes. Actually, some people do use running shoes, uh-huh. like Nikes, and then turn them into curling shoes. Basically, all you need is a piece of Teflon underneath um, one of your feet. depends, you know, if you're left-handed or right-handed but a slippery piece of material underneath one foot um, and then like a, a a grippy piece of material underneath your other foot. So you have one foot that slips and the other one doesn't. So it takes a lot of getting used to. Um, but, yeah, so those are curling shoes. Yeah, it's, it's awesome. And it, and it seems like, um, you know, uh, it's it's all about posture and form because, I mean, you can slip on ice and, and bust something mm-hmm. and not have a good time with that. So um, mm-hmm. it's just uh, – I just like I like the whole process, but is, is it okay? Uh, you know, and this might sound like a very novice question, but is it common to like slide and bust your behind or anything while you're getting getting going at it? <laughs> um, when you're learning, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> because you're basically doing a a, a very deep lunge okay. on with one foot that's slippery because you have Teflon under it under it. And you're on ice. <laughs> so at yeah. the beginning, there's a lot of balance, and, and you do, you might, yeah, you might fall on your behind. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, as you move up in the ranks, the higher levels, it's 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 pretty rare that um, some people fall. Oftentimes, you'll, well, not oftentimes, but sometimes you'll see uh, sweepers, because yeah. they're putting so much pressure on the broom, and their feet are out from un- under them to get, you know, that body weight transfer. Sometimes they'll fall. I would say that that's a little bit more common at the higher level. Yeah. Just because of the form that they're in. Yeah, I just like I said, I I wouldn't wish it on anybody, but you know, with a, with a sport like that, anything with physical, especially being on slippery, uh, you know, uh, uh, you know, ice or whatever, I was just wondering. I was like, it's bound to, you know, some kind of injury if you're, you know, full blast or trying to get that, you know, that score. Now, um, yeah. when you get it to the center there, um, 
do you get points based on how close you get it to the center, or do you just only get points when you hit the center area? Right. So each team has eight rocks, uh-huh. and you count this score once all those rocks have been thrown. So okay. you call that an end, which is like an inning in baseball. Once all the rocks are thrown, then you count the score. And every rock can is only going to be worth one point no matter where it is uh, in the rings, which mm-hmm. we call a house. Right on. <laughs> and basically – you you can you're trying to um get as many rocks closer to the middle like out counting your opposition. Yeah. Awesome. So only this one so team cool. can only one team can score and it's whoever's rock is closest to the middle. I love learning stuff. This is all foreign to me but I'm enjoying <laughs> listening to you talk. You you're so great. Thank you for being patient with me. But um anyway, like I said and and we'll talk about again curling up with Jamie is perfect too for a lot of these answers and uh going going with that I wanted to tie in um I I saw and I had a question about this where Team USA is also called Team Sinclair now and I saw there are other teams like with a different name like if you're the captain is it your team wherever you're representing or, or what's the deal with that Yeah so in curling you the team's name goes off of the skip's last name or the captain's okay. last name That's awesome Yeah Yeah That's very so it just cool. happens to be my name so which is pretty get, cool. <laughs> do, you get to, do you get to pick your team as well, kind of like an all-star team, or, or, or are they chosen for you? It uh, it depends what country you're playing in. Uh, yep. A lot of European countries and the United States, um, they have uh, federations, and the coaching staff is basically in charge of putting together super teams. Oftentimes in Europe, it's because of the depth of field. Isn't that great? Uh-huh. Uh, but if you're in Canada, on the other hand, where they just have so many curlers, they yeah. actually are, their teams are most often self-formed. Right on. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Okay. I could see that. Yeah, that's like when, um, uh, of all the years, and I'm going back to hockey, that we've had the Predators since 1998. Uh, we had one player that was from Tennessee. He, he, uh, he, was, uh, he was born here. His, his parents, I believe, were from Ontario. Okay. But the Predators drafted him. He was from Tennessee, and that just shows you, like you said, you know, how Canada has an infiltration of, of athletes who are used to ice, but we were so proud to have that yeah. one. It's such a, it's <laughs> such awesome. a rarity, but, yeah, um, you know, it. good for him. But, you know, I saw you have ties to the South as well. I mean, you have the dual citizenship, but they said, like, your Wikipedia, because I did some research, you have ties to mm-hmm. North Carolina, so that's cool. So you've got some – do you have Southern relatives, or, or what's the story behind that? So it's basically my my parents are Canadian. Um, yep. I was born in the states, but my parents are Canadian. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was trying out for the national curling team in the United States about seven years ago now. Mm-hmm. But I hadn't lived in the United States in such a long time that I didn't yeah. have a curling club to call a home curling club. Okay. Um, but I had been to North Carolina a bunch of times uh, to play in their bond spiels and to teach some clinics with uh, my dad. And um, absolutely just fell in love with the place and the people. So when it came down to basically putting a home club on my application form <laughs> to the yeah. national team, uh, that's what I had to do. I said I put uh, Charlotte Curling Club, and I've been representing them ever since. Well, yeah, we're proud to have you. Well, you know, anything any, like mm-hmm. the South. The South is great. North Carolina is so beautiful. But, uh, oh, I love know, it, it's, yeah. it's, it's not a place you think so much. Hey, curling, you know. <laughs> but, I mean, you know, that's cool that yeah. you claimed it. Well, they – they have an amazing story. They saw curling on uh, TV during, I think it was the 2014 Olympics. Yeah. And uh, just absolutely fell in love with it. A group of people 
um, just addicted to watching all of it. And then um, it was, they just, four years later, I think they built a, they just decided to build a dedicated curling facility. And uh, that's what that's they great. were able to do. So there's actually dedicated curling ice in, in Charlotte, North Carolina, which is awesome. Yeah. Like I said, after watching a, a couple of sessions of it, and luckily, you know, Team USA was on, and uh, I was like, man, I'm surprised this isn't available here. I mean, or if it is, I don't know about it yet, but, I, you know, I, I figure, you know, if somebody gets to listen to this, they'd be like, yeah, I like it too, because everybody I've asked, and I'm embarrassed, like, I'll, I'll you know, I tell everybody that I was going to get to talk with you, I'm like, what do you know about curling? They're like, uh, brooms and ice and <laughs> so yeah, like, there you uh, go. Yeah, yeah. I was like, well, there's more to it than that. We're gonna have to figure it out. So, yeah. Do you do you play on a team in Canada as well, or are you strictly our lady, our captain, our leader? No. Yeah. Um. When I uh, tried out seven years ago, this um, I became strictly Team USA since uh, since then. Awesome. You just, yeah. uh, you're just, uh, everybody claims you. That's good. Nothing wrong with that. Um, <laughs> let's, well, let's get into some, uh, some, okay. Uh, you know, I, I see you mentioned, and, and I'm just curious about this morning thing. Um, are you connected to the Olympics? Cause I, I know, and I saw certain speeches, it's like a dream of yours. Have you been to the Olympics or are you going to the ones that are supposed to be coming in 2022 or what's the story with that as far as like, uh, your career and everything? Yeah, the Olympics is obviously, um, it's been my biggest dream forever, my biggest goal forever. Uh-huh. Unfortunately, I lost the Olympic trials final um, oh, in gosh. 2018. Uh-huh. Yeah, so came runner up. So you could only send one team. So it, it was the other team, unfortunately. Oh, gosh. But um, I did then get invited to commentate the Olympics for NBC, Ooh. which was a really cool experience. Groovy. But I didn't play in it, unfortunately. But I'm making a run at 2022, so hopefully, uh, you know, I'll be on the other side of the coin this time and be able to compete in 2022. Absolutely, I, I, you know, and I hope that for you. Plus, you're still you're still young and you're you're a rock star. I've seen you in action, so hopefully, uh, you know, they'll get you out there. I just I just never know how it works. You know, you'll see Team USA, but there's this division, and then I watched something you did. There was a Grand Slam, and I'm like, okay, I've got to figure out what we're watching and what's going on so but i, <laughs> yeah. I was just wondering because i knew it's you know uh, if this virus doesn't take over that 2022 is the next one uh speaking know, of right? yeah, yeah speaking of that uh how are you handling social distancing i know you're doing the blogs and you've got this beautiful chapel that you're renovating which is just uh, is that a tv show yet or is that in the process or what's <laughs> the story behind that i wish i wish yeah. it was yeah um yeah just been um I mean, every, everything is pretty much on lockdown uh, here, but I'm fortunate enough um, to have this chapel to work on. I mean, it is a huge renovation project. I probably bit off more than I can chew when I bought this property <laughs> yeah. two years ago. But it's an old chapel built in 1904, I believe. Um, wow. And I've just been slowly kind of renovating it when I have the time. And uh now I have lots of time. <laughs> so yeah, I've been too much. Spending uh-huh. a lot of time doing it, and yeah. uh, it's getting there. Thank- I'm really thankful that over the past year and a half, um, whenever I found good deals or sales, I would, you know, buy something that I liked. So I, I already have like all my doors, my flooring, and trim, and drywall, and mud, and paint, and all that stuff. So yeah. I've, uh, without knowing it, I kind of like stocked up for this uh isolation <laughs> sure yeah well hey it's, it's it's good and plus at least you have you know have something to do because there's only much, only so much twiddling uh 
you know, or playing video games or whatever that you can do. I mean, it's, it's exactly. Awful. Yeah. You never know yeah. how much you miss something as simple as like going into a you know a fast food restaurant so you don't get to. Right. Or yeah. go to the movie theater or anything. <laughs> anything, yeah. But yeah, but you're keeping busy with that, and it is beautiful. And I, I was thinking, this has got to be. There's got to be somebody recording this HGTV or something. I mean, they're crazy. Right? <laughs> so. Come at me, I'm ready. <laughs> That's right. Well, have to, yeah, we'll have to call somebody. But at least you know you're, you're doing footage and recording. And, and uh, I assume you say yeah. your your brother lives close by, so he's helping you, or what's what's going on there? Yeah, pretty much. Um, well, before this isolation. Um, happened it's pretty much just been my family and i doing everything other than uh-huh. like plumbing and electrical yeah um but uh my my uh, dad's a pilot for air canada so he's um kind of been a lot more quarantined than the rest of us so mm-hmm. for the past couple of weeks it's just kind of been me working on it um all on my lonesome but yeah. i definitely miss having the family helping out for sure sure well, you, you strike me as the type that's constantly staying active, which is good because uh, I'm with you there. If I get too idle, my brain just starts mm-hmm. clicking on the weirdest cylinders. I don't know what to do with myself. So. Yeah, going but, stir crazy. Um, yeah, that's but that's awesome. That that was a that was a good uh, purchase on your end, and, and the finished product is it's going to be great. You're going to be so proud. It's the labor of love. Mm-hmm. You appreciate more, especially if you invest your you know put your own time into. Oh, one hundred percent. A lot of uh, blood, sweat, and tears going into this place, but I'm emotionally attached to it now. <laughs> Absolutely, you, you'll you'll never part with it. You might rent it rent it out eventually, move on to another. But uh, you know, you never know. Yeah. It'll always be a part of you some somehow or another. Yeah, that's often people say, are you flipping this for a profit? And I'm like, well, maybe that was my intention when I first bought it, but yeah. I cannot get rid of this now. It's too unique, and I'm way too attached to it. Yeah, and so it's 100, maybe 100 a rental, plus years. But. Yeah. 100 plus yeah. years. Now, well, let me ask you this. Um, is there a cemetery attached to it? Just because, you know, you think churches, you think, if it's that old, is there anybody buried around it? No, well, not that I know of. <laughs> well, that's good. No, Keep no it that way. <laughs> yeah, I good. didn't know because that like, would have tr- been really difficult to resolve. Yeah, sure, because oh, no doubt, no doubt, uh, because uh, you know when you see churches of that age here or anywhere else, there's usually like some really old uh, markers around. Yeah. It, but maybe back then they just buried them at home on the farm or whatever. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> well, hey, listen. Thank you for talking with me. I'm a fan, and you're such a great person. And uh, I can hear it resonate through you when you speak. And uh, maybe one day uh, we'll find somebody and and get an exhibition or something here in Music City because I think people will really gravitate towards it. <laughs> well, let me know if that ever happens, and I'm coming down. <laughs> we will. I'm gonna call a cousin of a neighbor of somebody and <laughs> see what I can do, or, or maybe share this okay. podcast with them. that wraps up this week's Josh Belcher Uncharted podcast. Hope everybody has a safe and happy Easter and can make the best out of this situation that we're dealing with with the COVID-19 virus. We're all still quarantined. Hopefully this will sweep through sooner than later and we can all get back to normal. That's what my hopes and prayers are for everybody in this wonderful country of ours and everybody around the world for this pandemic to be over. We can get back to the normalities that are our life. With that being said, special thanks to my guest, comedian Lavelle Crawford, Jamie Sinclair, number 21, captain of the USA Women's Curling Team, my special guest co-host, the church comedian Brandon Skelton for lending his talents and helping me interview Lavelle, 
really appreciative of all these folks. And I am so appreciative to you, the listeners, because I couldn't do it without you. You keep listening to them. I'm going to keep making them. If you know anybody in your life that you think would be an awesome guest for the podcast, have them hit me up, Josh Belcher at hotmail.com. And remember, as always, I love you for you and where you're at in life. Have a great Easter. Have a safe and happy holiday. I hope you health and no sickness. Hope a speedy recovery from this corona pandemic and we can get back to normal. With that being said, prayers and thank you to the Lord Jesus for laying it down for us. And God bless all of you. And I'll catch you later on down the line. All right, see you next time.